0: Sama Togozani Emma zani, ema kusini, iki malam guzi kumai Ba utanda ungan biza koko kumai shome, ogani koko nyazilwe utata Bendi zotanda, utata ili tuba, tisama kushikuzozonge ishule iesindi peche, yo espagati kumsimba wam, libele yo ogani enga zisiza ngangu kuzingat Emma Beleni, O Langa, Old Lambulo Kunda, O Vapion under the Paganis under Tamakusha. The Tamakushe, Emma Zizini, Olaminum Dadela, Old Munbino Boya. The Tamakushe combatano Dinga Walibelanga, Mam being a Owa, O Polokoshe. Tamakushekusleles and Pesley Lios and Beggy Pale and Dogon, the Chocutianus Engel, Unongosafan Sitch on Tamakushek, so on Langisa. Did Amakoche O Dida on Wangule? Amakoche was twelve and four, the Saupagamisilosi, Jalon Tobos Sakubaba Wam, Umam Dambok and Langotangi Toroza Coco, Tobos Saku Kumkulam, Umapizi, Gamahoto, Ditti Bayeta Macosa Macul, Macose Zizue. That's
1: Towazani and welcome to episode 8 of Goko Have I Been Scammed brought to you by Times Live. On this platform, we discuss, share wisdom and raise awareness on all things traditional African spirituality, including but not limited to scams. My name is Goko Zipo Dolamo and I am your host. So today we're doing things a little differently and I would like to take this moment to pay homage to those who have inspired me to do things differently. Um, In the last week or so, I caught up with Mag G's podcast, specifically the episode where he had Gokos Koteni as a guest. Um, You know, naturally, anytime a Sangoma sneezes or does anything on a public platform, we as the other Sangomas are called for commentary to share our thoughts and cognitions and so forth. I suppose it comes with the territory and I'm okay with it, But it gets a bit much sometimes. Now, the part that I found particularly inspiring about this episode was the range or the ease at which they spoke to one another. They covered a range of topics instead of a singular topic as I usually would. So today I'm taking the opportunity to pay some homage to them and thank them for having this public platform for which we can learn as other podcasters as well. Usually, I would address a singular topic, as you would have heard if you've been following the podcast. On episode seven, we spoke about religious parts and spirituality. If you missed it, you can always catch up on Iono FM, Spotify, or Apple podcasts. Under Gogo, have I been scammed? Today, we're broadly speaking about friendship, spirituality, accountability, um, indigenous knowledge systems indigeneity and not specifically limited to Africa we'll be talking about healing oneself through alternative practices meditation yogic methods and breath work before we get into it a little bit of about our guest today outside of her relation to me she is a certified vinyasa and buddhi yoga teacher Additionally, she is a tarot card reader who leans heavily on her prophetic abilities to navigate her life in spirituality. She has journeyed into healing by following her dreams and intuitions. In an age where there are representations and misrepresentations of what is currently known as New Age spirituality, she has stood firm and followed her path. Joining me in conversation is Asande Mashlaba. Please join me in welcoming her today. Briefly, before we get into it, I just want to talk about how I met Asande and how um, our friendship has sort of progressed in the last couple of years, right? Um, I suppose the best part to start from would be the beginning. And I met her, I suppose it must have been around 2016. I think we were both doing the first year of our master's and it was a very politically tumultuous time in the university, if I can put it like that. Um, for context, we both went to Rhodes and it must have been around the time of uh Fees Must Fall, Chapter 212 and the Naked Protest as well. I remember the first time I interacted with her, um, she couldn't figure the printer out in the postgraduate library, and I pressed a couple of buttons and she so eagerly looked like she wanted to hug me. And I thought to myself, I don't even know this chick, but whatever. Um, Fast forward to a couple of weeks later, it is now full blown chapter 212. We are having demonstrations on campus about the unfair sort of treatment of female students when they um, lay complaints about sexual assault. We are in that mode. We are speaking about the fact that there are harsher punishments for plagiarism than there are for sexual abuse. And it's just that kind of a time in the university. I remember we must have been demonstrating just outside the drama department. And here comes this chick again that I don't know. And she (laughs) offers me popcorn, right? And I promise you, I don't think I've like ever been able to get rid of her in my life since since I said yes I will have some of your popcorn on this day (laughs) as time obviously progressed we grew closer um, sharing history sharing family history we discovered that both of our maternal grandmothers come from the same clan we discovered that mm, her paternal grandmother and my mother also belong to the same clan, and that is And so, you know, you meet people on your spiritual journey and with no sense of knowledge about spirituality and you sort of become, for the lack of a better word, soul sisters, if I can put it like that. I think when I met her, I think a lot of things made sense. And we've progressed on this journey. She's seen me through initiation, through my first strand of beads, through slaughtering countless goats, to crying in the middle of the night, not wanting to do this anymore, to a million other things. So I know I've given an extensively long kind of anecdote and an intro, but please again, join me in welcoming my friend, And soul sister and colleague, I suppose, confidant, soulmate, Yonkindo, Samakwini, and welcome, Asande.
2: Thank you so much, Togo Zakoko.
1: I'm so happy
2: to be here today. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. I feel like an
1: amazing person. I'm a magician, but I'm really not. Okay, I think we're just gonna, or one of them. Can you tell us about a little bit about your spiritual beliefs? What kind of spirituality do you subscribe to and and why? So I basically
2: believe, you know, that there is a difference between being religious and being spiritual. Um, So I was brought up in a home where we went to church and things of that nature. So I definitely do believe in God. I feel like he's an overarching part of spirituality Um, but because as a child, my mom, um, her mother, people used to dream and interpret certain things in dreams. Um, I started, you know, like learning about African spirituality in that way and then got comfortable in the space of being able to express that side of my spirituality within the home. Um, and then obviously I got older. And I started to view the world differently. Um, I started to view the world in the context of my moral beliefs, my political beliefs. And then eventually I found yoga and that whole like school of the yogic practice, Hinduism. Um, and then that also opened another kind of box of worms or whatever in astrology. So I kind of prescribed to everything. I don't want to say everything, but it's mostly like, you know, um, I have a lot of Hinduism. I I, I practice a lot of African spirituality. I do pray every day to God. um, And I also include angels, ancestors in that prayer. And then, yeah. And then I also subscribe to, you know, um, astrology, Um, I use the movement of the moon in my spiritual practices a lot, my own spiritual work. Um, and that's just helped me just come closer or amalgamate everything, um, as I move forward on this path.
1: Interesting. Interesting. And, and you speak about yoga, right? So for the lay person, yoga is not necessarily linked to a spirituality, right? Can you talk us through that? What was the experience like for you? Um, what ties to spirituality did it give you? What kinds of freedoms and liberations did, did practicing in that space, what kind of liberations did it afford you?
2: Yeah. Mm, okay, this is quite interesting. So when I found, when I was younger, I used to be a dancer. It was something that really made me happy, moving my body. And so as I got older, Because of varsity and school and stuff, that kind of was pushed to the side. And um, funny enough, in the years that after I had met you in my master's, that's when I started doing yoga. And I got to this practice because um, Zippo took me to a Pilates class and she was so amped about it. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, this is just too much for me. I I can't do this. Okay. so. I then went to a yoga class um, and I really enjoyed my first class. It was really amazing. It was actually at Rhodes. And then um, after that, like I lost a friend to suicide, a childhood friend to suicide. And I remember like being so confused and like lost and like, you know, what is the meaning of life? Questioning a lot of things, um, in my adult life and the things I know to be true to me and my realities. And I then went to a yoga class, maybe a week after he had passed or a week after I had gone to his funeral. And I remember just being on my mat, um, when they take you through the sequence at the end, when they tell you to meditate. And I just started bawling, like crying, crying so much. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, released a lot, um, that needed to be released in that moment. And that thereafter I realized, okay, cool. I may be moving my body here, but intuitively there's something else happening. Right. Um, I feel like I'm getting something else. Um, so then I started to do yoga quite regularly, picked up some YouTube, YouTube, um, videos and started practicing, um, yoga regularly And then at the same time, I was diving into the esoteric. So things like crystals and stuff. And my mom was a big, she was big on them at that time. The chakras, she's the one who came and taught me like, do you know what this is? So yeah, so basically, that's how I started um, the journey. And then when I did my teacher training, I think it was just like full circle um, because for instance, like then it started to give me the actual knowledge of, as to why pra- people practice certain yogas, um, just everything. It's a lot of things I can't get through it right now. <laughs> um, I'll probably go into detail um, within the rest of the interview, but basically, just taught me how just yoga by itself and the asanas or the poses that you do is literally like 10% like 0.0% of the actual whole practice of yoga um as a school of thought as a way of life um and yeah i learned about you know the eight limbs of yoga So basically, like, I also learned how every kind of religious or spiritual system kind of has, you know, commandments that you should live by or a way of life that Mm. you should adopt. And it was not different with yoga, you know, obviously, those are not very, I guess, rigid. Some people feel that they need to be rigid. But for me, it just allowed me to express just my love for movement and explore um, my spirituality. And um, that's when I actually started, you know, linking indigenous knowledge systems and going into deep diving into African spirituality and how this could relate to the yogic practice, how you can offer more African nuanced classes to people of color, etc. cetera.
1: So, yeah. That is, shoo, That is that is a lot. <laughs> but as I was listening to you and you speaking about I suppose suffering a tragedy, and and turning into some kind of spiritual and some kind of um, some kind of practice that you can do for yourself to sort of ease your broken heart and to ease the pain, right? Mm. And for me, it sounds like an awakening of sorts, right? Mm. Um, however, we think and view awakenings in very single sided ways, right? We're very one sided ways. What do you say to people who only think about spirituality and the possibilities of awakening oneself outside of a traditional African school of thought? Because for all intent and purpose, you had gone to pursue some kind of healing, but in a different indigenous knowledge system, right? Mm. But in any case, an awakening was achieved. So so what comments do you have about that, that awakening if you're an african you can only be awakened through african spirituality Mm, that's a deep question so
2: i don't know like for me spiritual awakenings are a lot of the times when you're i feel like as humans we lack self-awareness um and i think in whichever context that you may put it within african spirituality christianity whatever So just to even get to that point of saying, "Okay, damn, I have I'm having an awakening um, is a very hard thing to do. Right. Um, I always say that, like, even in the African spirituality context, and I think I've had a couple of conversations with you, Zipo, about this, is that, you know, as a healer you'll probably go through a lot and you need to learn how to heal yourself before you can heal other people. Mm. Um, And I do think that these awakenings happen more than once. So since I guess like that childhood friend of mine had passed away, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life that have been quite traumatic that I had to work myself out of and heal myself through and understand the nuances of, why this theme is coming up in my life. And I think it takes a lot of like sitting with yourself, listening to yourself, listening to your body, the way it reacts around certain situations, around certain people, around, you know, certain environments. Um And so I really do think awakenings for me happen when you definitely listen. And I, and I think with, with the pandemic and COVID-19 It kind of forced us as human beings To go inward and look inside And be like, okay, you know I'm sitting here, I'm not I don't have the distractions I don't have all this alcohol to drink I don't have all these parties to go to It's just me and myself right now And I really appreciated that time I don't want to lie to you Because it felt like a lot of people Went through some kind of spiritual awakening Even mm. people in my circles um, People subscribed to to their own like you know kind of spiritualities I know I had a friend who was reading the bible from scratch you know so I do think that like it takes some kind of you know event to awaken you but it doesn't necessarily you need to be very Mm self-aware as well to understand that actually this is an awakening or not something that you're going to have to numb down you know so I think that's a lot of what we do especially our age group we like to numb things down and um talk about them out of context and try and find all the kind of cures to our problems outside of ourselves and I think for me the one thing that this yogic practice has helped me understand is like you know some of the most of the solutions actually all of them are within you and yeah you just need to channel them in the right way.
1: Sure, that is, wow, um, hm, so many questions, but I think, um, I want to, I want to specifically speak about the idea of, um, the idea of being a black woman in a yogic space, mm. right? So naturally, for example, I would outwardly have an issue if a person of a different race would adopt umungoma, right? Mm. And umungoma in the specific way that I know what to be done in my context. What kinds of resistances do you deal with um, in the yogic space? Because I know, for example, there are some restrictions in and around food. For example, the meats and there's, there's a lot of veganism that is sort of pushed as a narrative there, whereas as a black woman, when we're doing things in our context, we're slaughtering mm. and we're doing all of these things. So how do you how do you navigate that space as a black woman and how do you situate yourself in there? Because there naturally have to be quite a few things that you need to negotiate with yourself.
2: Yeah, I think just like, I think, for instance, I think as well, it's, Sort of similar in the sense that you know as a nuanced educated black woman you have to go into a space that's quite um tribal um and sometimes you could say like you know no disrespect but you could say it's a bit behind in the way that people think in those spaces so i just think it's also taking your level of you know whatever you see to be true to you. So for instance, to do with the yogic practice, the one limb of yoga is is do no harm. And that's where the whole context of, you know, being a vegan comes from. But at the same time, um, and as much as I respect vegans and respect what they stand for and what they are about, I could not personally, you know, subscribe to that school of thought. Firstly, because of what you said, but I am also very, very deeply rooted in my African roots and we have benzi, or things that we do to acknowledge our forefathers and I have to eat from that meat mm-hmm. as a person who comes from that specific clan or whatever. Hence, um, being a vegan would prohibit me um, to channeling or doing those things, you know, but at the same time, I also think that there needs to be a balance, like you can't always be eating meat, mm. you know, um, I think that you can take the practice or whatever it is that is being done and like tailor make it to what you need in your life um for instance, as well as me i have I'm very anemic, so at one point in time, I was told to eat a lot of red meat, which I don't do. I eat a lot of spinach now, however it's not the same you know um and also i also think that like as much as you know veganism is a thing or could be a popular you know i guess notion school of thought within the yogic practice like we also need to look at you know those indigenous people who practiced yoga who came up with this knowledge why did they believe in not eating meat? What mm. kind of lands were they from? Like, did they land produce all of this meat or were they abundant in meat? Cause as Africans, we have a lot of meat in our lands, you know? Um, And also in as far as now I have to be a vegan and like plowing through all this crop that sometimes doesn't belong to us, right. As indigenous people. Mm. So some of the crop that is being eaten as vegans is belonging to other nations. So are we really doing no harm because then we're taking food from those people who actually eat that way because indigenously that is the food mm-hmm. that is meant for those people. And yeah, uh that's 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 how I feel. I just think like when you navigate the space, you take you know, everything with a, like a pinch of salt. I think with spirituality in general, I mean, even with Christianity, we could be living some, you know, dogmatic, like religious life and you don't do that. Um, and I just think it's no different with any other form of spirituality. You take what serves you and you leave what doesn't. Um, and I also think that is, Based on your intuition, because a lot of spirituality is about building your intuition, and how and part of building your intuition is seeing how you feel towards certain things that are done in the space.
1: Wow, that is again uh, uh, lots of questions to follow from there. But I think I will just uh, ask my next question, and I think it has to do a little bit with with what you were just speaking about right now, right? And that is, you know, finding your space. Situating yourself in the practice and, I suppose, going on this identity project to see, you know, does this space coincide with who I am as an African woman? Does it coincide with who I am as this, this and this, right? And not leaving particularly um, or rather not excluding parts of yourself to fit within a religious or a spiritual space, right? However, we still do tend to think that spirituality is a one size fits all, right? Right. And I've been listening to you speaking about, and I suppose, obviously, with historical knowledge about the kinds of practices that you engage in and so forth. So when you are going to a healer, is there a specific kind of healer that you go to? Or do you go to different things for different? I mean, do you go to different people for different things? Right. And just to give you a little bit of an example. So uh, when Demi and I was speaking, when my producer and I was speaking the other day. We spoke about going to different healers for different things, right? So if I'm in a point of turmoil, I will not only maybe just go to a sangoma, I will maybe go to a sangoma and a prophetess and maybe go see a, um, a psychic and so forth and so forth. Would you be leaning towards similar practices or do you have something that you prefer to, t- to turn to? and And I suppose why? Okay, so I think for me, you know, I hear yes. I just wanted
2: to start with when I, whenever I have a sense of turmoil, um, I start with myself. Okay, I start with me. So I'll meditate and I'll pray, right? Um, Do what I need to do: burn incense, burn in bapu, whatever, right? That will be my first point. Before I go to someone outside of myself, I'll start Mm -hmm. with myself and understand, okay, what are the feelings that you're feeling? What is coming up? What are you nervous about? Are you nervous about an ailment? Are you nervous about a person in your life? Are you nervous about a dead person? Are you nervous about the future, right? And in coming to those answers by myself, that will kind of, you know, inform what I... Or who I go to see. Mm. Um, and like, you know, for instance, if I want to find out about my spiritual path as an African or black woman, I'm not going to go to a psychic and be like, girl, what am I supposed to do for my ancestors? Do you understand? Even though a psychic can, you know, see at the top of, I guess the information of you maybe having a spiritual gift in that context. um, They cannot give you the detail that you need to kind of pursue that. Right. So I've been to a number of like, you know, psychics who have told me, but no, you've got some kind of spiritual gift, but they couldn't get into the details as to what the spiritual gift is what I'm supposed to do to channel it. You know, there was hints here and there because I do feel like spirituality is interlinked, but they did not like say, okay, go to this certain person or you'll meet this person here, 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 here. And this is what they'll get. No, there was nothing like that. Every time I would I went to a psychic, it was maybe about the future and what I wanted to see for my life in general. But in terms of my spiritual gift and like my African you know, spirituality, I would obviously go to Isangoma to tell me those things. And yeah, just to add on to that, when I do get to that African spiritualist, like I've had Isangoma tell me about what you're doing in terms of your yogic practice is making Avandamadala happy, but they're not going to deep dive into that because it's not their forte or their space to kind of advise on, you know um but yeah
1: i suppose the next thing i want to to i would like for you to comment on is and i think it's a very underrated kind of phenomena and that is how do you stay grounded and rooted in your own journey right because i think hearing um from a healer or a qualified healer that you have some kind of a calling for most people, that is like the trigger to jump and be like, okay, I'm going to initiation school and I'm doing this, this, and this. Can you just tell me how how it was making that decision? And I suppose the complexities of it as well, particularly when you have people around you about right? Uh, particularly when you have friends, family, close people to you about And I suppose, and I would draw, I think, from an experience we've had before that I was like to you, you know, I, I can't understand a spiritual gift outside of, and I suppose at the time I couldn't understand a spiritual gift outside of the bounds of Ubungoma, right? And I felt as though to pursue your spiritual gift legitimately as an African, you must be a Sangoma, right? And naturally, because when you are around a Petrueni and you're around that kind of a space, and a Petrueni being initiation school, you are around a and there is a little level of kind of indoctrination that says, you know, this is how we live our lives and this is it. Um, and I think, again, standing firm in your own path is possibly one of the more underrated things. How, how important is it? And how, and how, I suppose, do you do it? <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good
2: question. So I, I won't lie. For me, I really respect Izangoma, right? Um, I really do. I respect the stature that they carry in society. I respect the things that they need to go through to become Izangoma, right? Um, So for me, I don't know, like it never resonated with me in Toyobu Not in the sense that like, it's not, I'm not going to take some of the practices from it, um, but for me to actually walk that path, it never came to me. Like I don't know. I feel like some people it hits them in the face, you know. Um, so for me, it never came to me in terms of like C&B, all of those things that I saw people who are close to me who are going through those that journey kind of have or the symptoms of needing to uptwasa, right? So obviously I had a few things like see dreams, um, and those things. And also Zippo used to say I used to speak things into existence, but all of those things weren't like the symptoms that I normally hear about about to who need to go into initiation, right? So I think for me, it was one of, that was the first thing. And the second thing is just like listening to my intuition, like I said, but me, myself, as Asande, maybe later on in my life, that thing, I could have the symptoms and I need to go to Asande. But right now, I don't feel like, you know, it's something that I need to do. I do feel like, you know, there are parts of my African spirituality journey that I need to adhere to and I need to encompass in order to enable me to move to the next level as a healer um, and also to respect or pay the dues to the people that put me here in this space, right? Mm. But in terms of, you know, Ubungoma, it, it didn't resonate with me. And I think for me, it was just my intuition. It was just like every time somebody told me, okay, maybe you need to toss out whatever, whatever. I'd be like, Mm-mm. I don't feel it in my bones, right? I, I really, I wish I could feel it and be <laughs> like, and you know, I'm a very passionate person. So if I feel like I need to do something, I will definitely march on and do it. Um, but it was just not a feeling that was resonating with me deeply at the time. And you know, um, even when I go through my spiritual um, journey right now and taking other forms of African spirituality, I still definitely, you know, pay homage and respect Ubungoma and all of the things that it does for me, right? Um, Mm. And all of the things that it's exposed me to, all of, you know, the knowledge that it's given me about how to navigate the space, but it doesn't mean I have to then become and, yeah. in, and and become fully enthralled in it.
1: Yeah. Um, I suppose I want to shift um the the conversational dynamic a little bit and go into having people around you, about you're having people around you that rely on your support and rely on you holding space for them, right? Um what does that support look like, you know, for for a person who has a mate? Like their friend, the closest friend to them. Mm. What kinds of support, you know, are required in that, in that space? So for example, if I can give an example with between our relational dynamic, right? I know there have been times where the support that I necessarily needed might not have been to say, actually, yeah, I support you on this. And if you want to let this go, this is great. Right. Mm. Because I suppose even Mautwaza, at some point you're looking for someone to be like, this is ridiculous. Stop this now and go home, right? Mm. But when you can see and you can see this is the situation, how how do you hold space for a person, Ganjal, um, mm. while also standing firm within yourself? I mean, for me, yeah, I think
2: once you delve into spirituality and friendship, it becomes a little bit more complicated um, in any space, you know. But in specific spaces like Umbungoma and stuff like that, for me, the one thing that I really, I put myself in that situation, like, okay, if I was trusting right now, what kind of support would I want, right? And I think one of the first things that I kind of um, came to my mind was, I don't want to be judged. Like that's the first thing, right? So in moving forward in my support um, for my friend, the first kind of notion that I had was like, look, I don't know a lot about this stuff, but I am going to not be judgmental, right? And that was just my f- first point of order. And like, you know, and as you grew in the spirituality um, and you were doing stuff, it was like also my job almost. I don't know like if it was, ju- I-, I don't know if it was a spiritual thing as, but it, I just felt like, When, as a friend, you were going offline, like swaying to the left, I had to be like, but okay, girl, you said you're going to do this. Why are you not doing this? Why is this happening in your life right now? Because you need to actually account. You can't just call ancestors and relax and be like, "Mm." you can't open the door and like say, okay, I'm going to leave it there and go enjoy my life. So I will always, 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 always hold you accountable, right? And those are the first two things that I learned in a friendship of like how you support a person going through this journey is that, yes, I can be here for you to vent. I can be here for you to yell many, many swear words, um, but come back and say, "Okay, girl, sure, like you've said all of these things. But at the end of the day, you decided to put yourself into this journey because of what you were feeling, what your intuition was saying at the time. So you need to see it through. And I'm always, even outside of spirituality, I'm I'm a firm believer in like finishing what you started. And I just think as I got deeper into my spiritual practice, that became like a theme, even with me, it's like, I always need to finish what I start, especially spiritually, because, you know, you don't know what's on the other side. You don't know what ancestors are saying. You don't know what your angels are saying. Like, hmm, okay, let's go. She's just going to call us and then she's going to leave us on read. No, you don't do stuff like that, you know? <laughs> um, So that was the first thing. And then I think as, I think, yeah, that was the first thing. And I don't think it's by mistake that like when you started your spiritual journey, that was also when I was sort of going through mine and it wasn't the same, but I think, in the exchange of like that energy or the energy exchange that we had between the both of us, we started to learn like, okay, um, I guess for you as well, you started to learn that what I was doing is not necessarily small business, right? It's not like, I'm just going and we're stretching every day, woman happy. (laughs) You know, it's just like, you started to kind of get a deeper understanding of this also being like a spiritual journey and respecting it in its own right. And I also think another thing, like the last thing that I learned or the last way I would say to give support, especially to people or Abangani who are going through Bungoma or the journey or who are tossering is that I do understand that in friendships that we need to hold people accountable for the things that they say. But when somebody is going, undergoing a spiritual journey, they're so many things that are speaking to them there's so many not even one person who are speaking to, who's speaking to that person and I think one thing that I learned later on in a in Zipo's spiritual journey is that some of the things that a person can say in Ombeni or when they're undergoing the process that is heavily heavily intense you can't pay their mind you know like obviously you have human emotions you'll get upset but you also need to contextualize <laughs> yes you you'll you need to contextualize where this tongue was coming from it doesn't necessarily come from this person you need to kind of understand um those nuances but if mutu yakuza in this way or like you know i don't know like you'll be like hey but you're young, you're my age, why Kuza in this way? Like, you'll be like, but then you forget, that would say, actually, the person that is me is not actually my friend. It's probably her ancestor, you know? So you kind of need to understand and be able to navigate that space. Yes, you hold your friend accountable if they hurt your feelings or whatever, but at the same time, they won't even remember i mean there's so many things i've always told people like do you remember saying this to me you said this and she'll be like no i didn't <laughs> and i'm like girl you said this to me and i'm like she's like no i didn't so i started realizing after a while that it's actually not her who's talking so let me not pay it any mind and move on with my life you know so
1: yeah And I just think on that, hey, if I can, if I can add, I don't think it goes one way, right? Because I think the assumption is that I am the Sangoma and therefore I am the one person who has like outbursts and verbal diarrhea and says stuff that's out of pocket. I think it goes both ways because I think there are multiple times where I've said to Sunday girl, Like, I told you my business, why did you drag me like this? And she's like, no, I never said that. I would never say that. And I'm just like, babes, you said A, B, and C, right? So I think that level of spirituality and that spirit and that ethos of a kuzana goes both ways. I think when both people are spiritual if I if I could liken it to a relationship that you have in initiation school, I would say it's the relationship that you have with your kobela. Every now every now and then, your friend says something out of pocket and you need to take it with the spiritual booty. Actually, it's not this person. That are possibly just being outward. So I think, yeah, I think it goes both ways for me, at least personally, because, even I think this morning I told her something she said to me that she does not remember. So I think, yeah, and it's usually, it's usually the spiritual stuff, the messages. And I, I mean, even the voice changes. So I know, for example, when Asande is speaking to me and when somebody else is speaking to me, right? And I think even having that language to be able to make that, those kinds of discernments um, would not have been possible. I suppose, without our interaction. And i just like to backtrack a bit. So for those who followed my work and who followed the column and the podcast, I speak extensively about not having the language of African spirituality until very late in, in my life, right? Well, in relation to where I am right now, I suppose. But it was in my early 20s where I started to really have the language of african spirituality and to sort of even engage and think about it as something um that is possible and that and that happens and i think it also happened for me in a context of friendship right i speak about this extensively a bit as well that you know i was in a in a group of friends and when my awakening was happening it was happening in the midst of people so i would dream about very intimate things happening in people's lives and I think even then, Asande was the only person that I trusted because she used to, I mean, for the lack of a better word, she used to talk about all this hippie stuff, right? She would, like, speak about, I mean, she would walk barefoot in Gramstown. And I just used to think to myself, you know, which black chick is walking barefoot, but whatever, right? <laughs> so she had a very alternative lifestyle. And I think an alternative lifestyle with a capital A, right? Because, yeah, I think even in trying to figure out my spirituality and trying to find ways to cope. There has been a level of safety that's been created in the spiritual friendship that we have, in the sense that if I'm struggling with something, if I'm like, yo, Chomi, I can't sleep, or Chomi, I'm struggling with this because she's a healer. And and many people may not necessarily um, understand the magnitude of this, but because she's a healer, I go to her and I say, Chomi, please help me with some, that is usually my request, right? And I think, if anything, the interaction has shown, um spirituality is possibly one of the broadest things in existence. And I think we need to definitely find ways to, to self-journey into spirituality. And I know it's very cringe, is self-journeying. I, I possibly am one of those Sangomas as well, who is very apprehensive to the idea of journeying for self because it creates some kinds of issues. And I think we've discussed them a bit, Asani. But when people refer to you, what do you prefer to be called? Because naturally, being a healer and a spiritual person, I suppose the only frame that we understand healing is through through Ubungoma. Mm. So how do you feel when people call you Goko? Or if people are like, go-go, what kind of sensation is that? Because naturally, again, you're a healer, but you're not the healer It is a Wakoko. So, you
2: know, for me, it's just like I personally, like I, like I said before, I really respect Ubungoma. And I really think, you know, to be called Ugoko or or rubaba, or whatever they call you. Um, there's a certain amount of strife or hardship that you need to go through enable to enable you to earn your stripes, basically. So when somebody calls me ukoko, I kind of am apprehensive. Um, you know, because I'm just like, I don't know. I, I didn't sit in the bush and have a tent in the forest and yay, epsugu. I did not do that, right? (laughs) So um, I feel very apprehensive about it. Like I I feel like that Ubungoma carries a certain amount of respect. I do think that's why it's been like such a surge in like our societies that people just want to be respected so much, you know, and they want to hold high places in society um, because I just don't think as people who respect each other, man. But anyway, I do think that, like, it carries a certain amount of respect, especially that title. And hence, every time I speak to Ukoko, Umkula, I always say Togoza. Even when I'm typing a message, I'll be like, Togoza, you know, because I'm just like, it's a certain amount of respect that I need to pay homage to. In the same sense, if, for instance, like, I've been called a Goko by a person who knows I'm not a gogo, and is also a very spiritual person, Right so in the same sense like if that's the aura that they're reading off of me cool like go off you're seeing the people that i'm working with enjoy your life you know <laughs> um i'm not going to stop you from doing it but in the same sense i'm going to tell you i'm not a sangoma. I'm. i am i haven't done that and i even remember like this person who called me koko was actually your auntie at your doaso. She was like Togo zani, Goko. i was like sister <laughs>
1: <laughs> I am
2: like, sister, who are you talking to? Are you talking to this person who? She's like, no, you, girl. I was like, ah, ah, ah. Okay, thanks, togoza, thank you, you know? Shout out for seeing me in that way. But I do think that that kind of title and the label um comes with a certain amount of things that you need to go through and able to earn it. Um, And that's just my...
1: Your two cents. <laughs>
2: my two cents. And I think even in self-journeying, obviously, I'm going to go. I'm still going through my own things and I will go through things. And maybe one day I'll feel a little bit more comfortable as I'm journeying. When somebody calls me gogo I'll be like, okay, shout out. That's, that's me. That's who I be
1: right now. But as for right now, no. Nah. And honestly, I think you are one of the few people that I've interacted with that doesn't want or that doesn't present themselves as wanting this thing. And by this thing, I mean, more often than not, and I think this was covered in an interview that I watched recently, that people go to Izangoma looking for a calling, mm. looking for a Sangoma that will say, mm. do you know what I'm saying? So I think it is, it is, it is a breath of fresh air to, to to meet someone and to exist with someone who doesn't want this thing. And I suppose you would kind of have to be kind of a little bit crazy to want this, having witnessed it
2: bar for bar. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. I think
2: for me, I just think, you know, even in the space of like, you going through what you're going through and like sharing those things with me. I was like, I la zia Carla. it's deep. Yeah, I don't want to be going to if I don't need to be in a forest at night, trust, I'm going to choose not to be. But what I what I will not do is say that I earned the stripes. Like I was in the forest at night. And what I really dislike in this day and age is people who take up this journey and do not do it justice, you know, and they do not move in that way. I mean, I do think that like spirituality, there's a lot of nuances and you guys, you can have your own beliefs and your own realities that impact it. But what I I, I really do not like is people who open that door and think you can leave oaks on red and continue with your life. Like everything is going to be okay. Um, like this is and Place. And this is two cents. I don't enjoy that because I've been privy to how hard this journey is, and I even mean for my own journey, it's not up and play. So if you're going to kind of open that door and and leave people on red, it's not going to be cute. And I can even give you an example. Like the other day, my dad asked me, he was like, "Yeah, you know." Can you not um help one of your cousins you know to get into this yoga space, and then I looked at him with a side eye, and he definitely was like, "Yeah, but you really need to be into this right to to go into it like you really need to have a a calling to go into this kind of thing because yes, I can't just be like, okay, I'm I come this side no you you need to actually believe in what you're doing um and I really Feel like there's a lot of people who are taking up callings just for that element of respect and to carry that stigma of a sangoma. And you actually don't understand what goes into it and how difficult this journey is and how sangomas are struggling every day, even to put food on the table, even ones that you see that have money, guys, like people that you see, it's not an easy journey. But for some reason, It's just been made as if anybody can do it, you know? And I, yeah, as much as I don't want to be discriminatory and say no one, not everyone is open to Bungoma, but I'm just, yeah, I have my feelings about anyone can do it. I do think that it's kind of losing its essence um, in today's time. And I think we really need to focus and bringing it back to its essence, right? And also trying to live within the bounds of this new modern society.
1: Thank you so much for that. Um, It's not bab and voros. It's not bab and place this thing. There are also, as you've heard, different ways of pursuing your spirituality and going down the avenues to find yourself. So I suppose if I were to to um, talk about the key thing that I heard from Asande today. And I, I suppose the one thing that even made me want to to chat to her in the first place was staying firm in your beliefs and discovering your intuition, right? Once you discover your intuition and you move with your intuition, I suppose the element of do no harm, firstly, is because I, I don't suppose your intuition would 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 make you want to harm someone unless but we'll get into that another day. But the whole idea of doing no harm, staying true to yourself and following your intuition, following it and following what you feel within your body instead of listening to a wide array of opinions will always be um, a seminal teaching in Dwasweni, a seminal teaching in spirituality. I would like to thank Asande so much for joining us today and having this discussion with us. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me. And everybody, um, but thank you so much for having me. This has been a really great discussion. I really enjoyed it as I usually enjoy
1: our discussions. So, yeah. And that was it from this edition of Coco Have I Been Scammed. To share your story with us, please email us at scammed at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can reach out to us on our socials on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under the handle at go-go-have-I-been-scammed. Remember that you can find our latest episodes on the Sowetan Live website under the podcast tab or across all digital streaming platforms. That is Iono FM, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Koko Have I Been Scammed is a Times Live production and our producer is Demi Luzo. I am Koko Zipotolamo and I am your host. Until next time, Zamakwini tokozani kosiini.